Thank you so much, Mal, for uh, meeting with me. Um, I'm super excited to speak with you, um, but I'm gonna let you introduce yourself. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, there's a lot there. <laughs> well, well, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to uh, be a part of your project and, and to see where our conversation goes. Um, so if I'm gonna introduce myself, my name is Mauricio. I, uh, I'm Costa Rican. I've lived in Costa Rica most of my life, even though I've, I've, I had a period of about 10 years where I lived in the States uh, and I'm gonna be going back to the States soon for grad school. Um, I, on paper, I'm officially uh, uh, a, a script writer. I studied English literature and, and screenwriting. I, I, my dream was to be a, a Hollywood screenwriter. <laughs> and then life took a couple of turns and I ended up studying in Peru um, with Native American tribes. And I studied in the US with a couple of different schools. And then I studied in Chile, some life coaching. And right now I have a shamanic healing and uh, transpersonal coaching uh, practice here in Costa Rica, as well as a small personal development school here in Costa Rica as well. So I, when people ask me, what do you do? I say, I am a transpersonal coach and shamanic practitioner. Uh, and now I'm gonna go to school in the US. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to Harvard Divinity School in the fall. So I'll be adding some stuff to that later on, but. And you have a podcast. And I have a podcast, it's in Spanish. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> But if people want to listen to it, I'm I'm happy to provide a link for you later. Yeah, on. yeah, I'll I'll uh, I'll add all of your all of your stuff um, <laughs> in the in the notes. Um, so is it safe to call you a shaman? Sure, you can call me whatever you want. I I uh, I don't usually call myself a shaman, and some people will will get angry. They're like, "Why don't you like to talk about that? Why don't you tell people what you are?" <laughs> um, I don't know. Shaman, you know, shaman is a Russian word. <laughs> So I don't, even the people I studied with don't call themselves shaman. Shaman is more a Western anthropological term used to describe certain people in different indigenous tribes. Um, so I guess what I do is what anthropologists would call shamanism. <laughs> um, but none of the people I've studied with ever use that word. Uh, in the literature, when I read stuff, I'm like, oh yeah, I do this. And that's what the shaman does. But, but, you know, I, I just call myself Mauricio. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, can you, can you, you said shaman, shaman is a Russian word. Can you explain like what a shaman actually is? Yeah. So the word, the word means the person who sees in the dark. It was an old Russian word from Siberian tribes. Um, so in those tribes, the shaman was the person who was able to go into a trance uh, through, there's a lot of methods to, to go into a trance. During that trance, they would visit the other world, whatever that other world is. In many tribes, uh, it's called the upper world. In other tribes, it's called the lower world. Some tribes have both. But they would visit the other world to get the spirit's advice on how to manage situations going on in this world. So the shaman was sort of that uh, mediator between the spirit world and the human world. Uh, a lot of people, when they think of the word shaman, 
they see or they imagine people like brewing potions in the jungle, you know, like tiki masks and stuff like this. I, I guess that, you know, maybe some shamans wore tiki masks, but the, the brewing of the potions and all this was usually like the healer or the herbalist in the tribe. Sometimes that was also the shaman and sometimes they were two different roles. So, so you know, right now, for example, ayahuasca is so popular and, and the ayahuasqueros uh, in the Amazon rainforest are not necessarily shaman. Uh, they might be the ones who brew the, brew the potion and administer it, but they might not be the ones that, that have contact with the spirit world or mediate with the spirit world for their tribe. So yeah. let's talk about that really quick. I go down to Latin America, find a guy, he gives me ayahuasca and it's kind of like a good luck. Like he's not, that person is not trained to be the mediator between you and that like world that- well, Hopefully the person who gives it to you has trained, but okay. not necessarily, that that person might not necessarily have been the one who brewed it. Okay. Because I, I feel like when I talk to people in the States, it, they, they know as much as I take this thing and I have a transcendental, like a, a crazy life altering experience. And then I'll start asking them questions like, oh, ba basic questions and explain kind of what we've talked about. Oh, I didn't know that. It's like, you're going to go travel to a jungle <laughs> and do this thing. And you don't know what's on the other end, right? Like, it kind of freaks me out, especially with such a crazy, vulnerable. It's a lot of people right now are very hungry to get in touch with some sort of spiritual truth or spiritual world. And ayahuasca has become sort of an easy fix for that. Mm. Um, in the native language, aya and wasca, which are two different words, mean vine of death. <laughs> originally ayahuasca was meant to induce a death or dying experience on the drinkers so that they would be able to conquer their fears of death and and deal with some of that and be more present here in this life it was not meant as like take this potion so you can talk to your spirit friends um, <laughs> it was an initiatory experience uh i think that's you know become a little muddled or dirtied in some places um, because people are just looking for that sort of psychedelic uh, out of body experience, which sometimes doesn't even happen. I have a good friend who went and did ayahuasca, did it the first time. She had a really nice experience, went the second time and she just sat around the fire for hours. The shaman came over and gave her a second dose, drank it and it didn't do anything. And, and that was a wise shaman. He said, you know, the plant, has told you everything it's gonna tell you and there's nothing left for you there. And, and she was disappointed and <laughs> she, she felt there was a lot more she could receive, but yeah, right, right. there wasn't it, anything there for her. Yeah, the, and um, I wanna talk about a little more about your school and the practices that you work with, uh, how you work with people. But when I've had friends talk to me about ayahuasca, it's like, have you erratically breathed to where your whole body is numb and like that's a crazy experience so you can have that for free in your room yeah it's crazy like the stuff you can do just with meditation mindfulness breathing but uh, you know like the idea that you have to sit there and 
breathe for 45 minutes, 50 minutes. It's so tiring. Why can't I just drink something? <laughs> it, you know, I think, so you, you came to visit uh, Andre and I in college for a couple of days and you said something with me that kind of shaped how I view a lot of life. And you said, well, I said, oh, have you ever, ayahuasca was like just starting to be a thing. And you said, I, I asked you, oh, have you, like, do you recommend doing ayahuasca or have you done it? And we had some conversation and you explained like the work it takes to get up the hill and that ayahuasca just transport you to this place that you might not be ready for. And that can have repercussions. So the type of work that you do with people is like climbing the mountain slowly so that you're ready for that next step. And I've taken that to everything I do, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty amazing, right? Like if, if you're, if there's a one quick fix, it's like, I'm very skeptical and it's like, well, let me like work on it for a bit and see what's there. Um, and you can apply that to any part of your life, fitness, uh, work, reading, anything. Um, can you talk about your, how you like to work with people and sure. this sect of shamanism and, and why that's different than using herbs? Sure. I, I don't know if it's a sect. Sure, yeah, I, yeah, I was. <laughs> <laughs> I'll delete that one. Yeah, this this part, <laughs> this method. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but talking talking to your point just just now about the hill and this, I had a teacher once who said, whenever you go to a new school, ask for their um, you know for their records and see how many people have become illuminated. <laughs> ask them you know how many people have graduated from your school and if they're if if all their students are still there just doing more classes and more classes it's probably not a good school to enroll in there you go (laughs) because you know even when you go to grade school you know it ends in grade six right they don't say oh now we've got some new grades right (laughs) schools are meant to start now right um so in the the school I have, what we do. Um, it is shamanism because we do journey, which is what we call this um, moving your consciousness over to another place, uh, whether it's a different world or a different uh, state. Um, we do that mostly through repetitive uh, noise. <laughs> <laughs> a better word either either a rattle or a drum <laughs> and repeat 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 and that gets the brain to a place where you can have all sorts of beautiful and psychedelic experiences uh in your own living room uh i love the rattle because i can i can rattle by myself journey and then just stop and be back mm. uh, some people prefer sort of the deep tones of a drum but to me it's it's the same i like convenience. I can put the rattle in my luggage and take it wherever I go. Um, So what we do is we use the journeying to go inside and sort of try and understand who am I? How did I become this way? Who made me this way? And I'm talking there from from transcendental questions like who made me to to more simple questions like where did I learn this behavior Mm. and do I really want to 
keep behaving like this? And if not, um, how do I want to be? It's just the process of getting to know myself uh, to be able to then make the big choices in life. You know, I, I, I think if we don't do that work of coming inside and understanding who am I, why do I think like this? Uh, why do I have these specific likes and dislikes? Then I'm just sort of going on automatic, if that makes any sense. I, I'm doing a little bit of like translating from Spanish, so I apologize if it sounds clunky. But like, that makes a lot of sense. You're not like <laughs> doing like housekeeping, like. Yeah, and I'm just I'm just sort of like moving without thinking, and and all of a sudden something happens in my life, and I go, oh my gosh, I I don't like this. This is not how I envisioned my life. But I never stop to think. Why do I think the way I think? Why do I act the way I act? Why do I behave the way I behave? And how would I like to behave if I don't like the way I'm behaving? Mm. Um, we do that through journeying, um, through different methods of, um, of meditation, really. Uh, you know, we're sitting in rooms using rattles and, and having specific goals in our mind where we'll say, okay, so one of, the, one of the main practices that we develop first level of the school is called the garden. So we will each uh, go in our mind to a, a place that we say is secret, sacred, um, safe and surprising, which we call our garden. You know, for some people it's a house, for some people it is a garden, for some people it's a beach, for some people it's a... Uh, I have one student who, who goes to a, a capsule uh, on orbit around the earth. It's fine. It's just a place that's secret, sacred, surprising, and safe. And from there, we start to uh, touch and affect and explore different parts of ourselves. What happens if I take this away? How does that feel in me? Um, what happens if I add this? How does that feel in me? Different exercises, um, different goals, uh, you know, one of the first things we do uh, in level one is we will go in and look for something. Once we've discovered this place, once we've reached it, we go and look for something that we don't like there. And so some people say, oh, I don't like there's some vines growing near the edge of the road, or I don't like that there's a little crumbled wall uh, near, you know, the lake. Um, and so we'll start to fix this thing that we don't like. And then we'll come back to our regular lives and see how that thing that we fixed in that other place affects our regular life and how what we do here affects over there. Maybe something we did here tears down the wall again. Mm. When we start to make those associations and start to understand uh, that symbolic place with this symbolic place, um, and how what we do in one place affects the other, then we start to become more conscious about what we're doing um, and how we're behaving and how we're doing it. Um, and then we get surprising results uh, and we start to become much more in touch with ourselves and our world uh, and to become more conscious is the word that keeps coming up. You know, I, when I was studying, when I was with my teacher in Peru, um, we were doing a ceremony and he wanted chocolate covered frogs for the ceremony. In Peru, the frog is the messenger between this level and the level underneath. So, it, you know, the frogs will be, you know, out by the side of the lake and 
then they'll dip into the lake and and they see this as a, as a as the messenger who takes you know the frog is watching what's going on and then he'll go down and, and report <laughs> and so he wanted the chocolate frogs for the ceremony we we're in the middle of nowhere, but he insisted that we go to the store and there was no chocolate frogs in the store. And he just got quiet for a minute and then opened his eyes and went, rah, rah, rah. I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm calling the frogs. Well, they'll be here for sale tonight. I said, okay, <laughs> I'll buy, <laughs> I'll bite. <laughs> you know, and I thought, I kept thinking to myself, this is so exciting. Like, if we come to the store tonight and there are chocolate frogs, like, I don't know what I'm gonna think. Like, this is gonna be so exciting. Like, <laughs> we went back to the place where we were and this girl comes out and she says, hey, um, can I talk to the shaman? And I said, yes. She says, I brought some gifts from home and I, I wanted to give it to him now. And I said, yeah. And he grabs the bag and goes, Oh, thank you. Mauricio, these are the frogs I wanted. It, it was 10 minutes post. Oh my God. Frog calling. You know, he didn't even <laughs> have to go back in the store. <laughs> and this is the kind of interaction where I think if you're conscious enough of your presence and your behavior, you can affect the reality around you. That's but, but there's a consciousness that needs to be there. There's an awareness that needs to be there. You can't just like, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not going to offend anyone, but maybe I am. But you can't just like pin some pictures up on a dream board and then like get the results. Right. There needs to be a consciousness and an awareness of who you are, how you are, and how you affect the world in order for the world to be affected. Right. Um, otherwise, you're just sort of waving your hands around uh, pointlessly. Right. And so it's just like to sum up, what yeah. you just said, it's the, the I'm not going to say sect, the style of the method of your, the me, yeah, <laughs> of method of your approach is, is very um, tool oriented. And uh, I, I want to say like drill, like you have little drills, like how an athlete would, as opposed yeah. to ayahuasca, where it's like, take this thing and just get pulled into this place. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, well, yes and no. We have little drills. We have exercises. But for example, there is one exercise where we go, we go to the dark place and we, we call the dark place the place where I can't see clearly. Mm. And we will go to this place uh, with the students and then the students will report on their findings in the dark place. And, and a lot of the times people are bringing back images and sensations and smells from that place that they don't understand. And as we start to sort of put them in their body and start building, stuff comes up from their past, from their childhood that, that is surprising and that sometimes is heavy and that sometimes is, is dense, uh, but we're doing it in a safe and controlled environment. Uh, is, is what I would say, you know what I mean? Like sometimes what I hear from ayahuasca, I've never consumed ayahuasca myself. I, I am curious about it. I've been called to it a couple of times. And then every time I go to the ceremony, something or other happens and the ceremony gets canceled and I just go, oh, okay, well, wasn't the time. Uh, I respect sort of coincidences and synchronicity a lot. Yeah, sure. Um, 
And what I've heard is sometimes the, the plant will open these doors that you've closed and sort of force you to confront some of these things that you've hidden away, which is great. I think we all have to do that. And then I imagine myself in the middle of the jungle, if that's where I, I'm doing it, or in, or in somebody's basement, uh, uh, confronting things that I had locked away. And I immediately think, I want to make sure I have somebody there who's safe, who's going to hold me, who's going to help me walk through that. Mm. Uh, because it, you know, it could push me into sort of a spiral. Right. Right. I mean, as you would, as anyone would feel like confronting something traumatic, like making you reconcile with um, feelings that you've had in the past or things come up and then, like you said, it's, it's really important to have that support. Yeah. Do you, do you, so for like millennials and people that just kind of go through their lives, like not atheist people, just people that are like, they're generally open-minded, but they've never experienced this. And when, if I just go, hey, like, do you want to work with a shaman? They're like, what does that mean? And they're like, oh, and then you start explaining. It's like, it's like intent, intentive meditation. But do you ever have, have you heard of experiences where people have like these existential crises with journeying and then you question reality, right? Because like we've worked together and sometimes I think to myself, like if this in my head is so vivid, like what, like what is, what is this right now? You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, and that's a, a scary thing to reconcile with and like a beautiful thing to reconcile with and like it depends your frame of mind, but do you have like, yeah, yeah. So, so when you say, if this in my head is so vivid, mm -hmm. how do you know that's in your head? That's a great point. I don't. That, that is, that's a great point. And so I could, I think to myself a lot, like, like you start questioning things and then do you have, have you seen or heard of experiences where like that becomes too much to handle? I've never uh, witnessed one myself where like somebody ha uh, is having, when it becomes too much to handle. I've, I've had a lot of people start to ask big questions, which mm. I always encourage. I think it's a good thing to ask big, big questions about your reality, like you were just doing there. Like if this was so vivid, what is this? And, and is this more real or is this more real or are they both as real? And, and if that's just as real as this, then <laughs> what does it mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think those questions can only lead you to important places. I was having a conversation, uh, yes, Wednesday for the podcast um, with a psychology professor from the University of Costa Rica here. And he was saying that his life, all of his life has been led by questions and he always looks for what's the question that's gonna like direct this next part of my life because it pushes him forward to investigate, to explore, to travel, to, to try and understand first, why am I asking this question and where can I find the answers to this question if I can find them? 
Mm-hmm. And so I think always, I, I agree with him wholeheartedly. Like if there are questions inside of you, then it's going to push you mm. to grow and to explore and to be curious uh, and not just to sort of sit at home on your couch and go, oh, this is a nice life. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's easy to be passive, yeah. especially when like constant stimulation is available. Correct. Like I just, I... I don't have to be by myself. Well, I don't have to feel like I'm by myself. Yeah. Being, which are very different things, right? I could watch Netflix. I go on my computer. I can talk to friends on Facebook. I can have my phone. And like, I can't even go get the mail without like checking my email now. Yeah. And yeah. So, it's easy to get distracted from, from you. Yeah, exactly. And then like you said, you lose who, who you are. You I mean, lose a little bit of your drive. Yeah, like, exactly which way you're going right and then you're like and then you start questioning things right like and then maybe some people have maybe there's part of midlife crises or quarter life crises or or whatever crisis you're going through um today's crisis yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) i have my my brain's going all over the place um where's a good place to start for someone that wants to, I was very fortunate that I lived with Andre and he, we got to meet each other. If like someone's interested in this kind of lifestyle and introspectiveness and, and it is scary, right? Like I, when we first started working together, I was so scared. Like you say, you say the words journey and other world and I'm like, where are we going? Like, this is <laughs> what, what's about to happen. So and even, yeah, even when you're there, it's still a lot to process and you want to talk about it. And like, there's a lot, how, where's a good place for someone to get started in like this exploration? If they're going to go about it on their own, um, a good place. I'm trying to think of what I would recommend if somebody was not going to have guidance or any kind of company uh, during a journey, but I would just say, close your eyes, uh, take as many deep breaths as you need to, and then try to see yourself sitting there Mm. from the outside, you know, like, like step out and try to see yourself Mm. sitting where you're sitting. That's going to start to push the limits of who you are a little bit. And that's a safe enough exercise, and it's a fun exercise. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult exercise. Sure. A lot of people don't, don't get there the, the first time. Um, but if you're able to do that and see yourself <laughs> breathing from the outside, then you can start to explore the space you live in, from that place of consciousness rather than the body, mm. and just to explore your house from there. You're sitting, breathing, and with your consciousness, you're exploring your bedroom and your living room and your kitchen. And that becomes a fun, safe exercise to sort of start to test the limits of who you are mm. or of what you are. Um, I, like, I like what you said about uh, you like won't get there the first time. Because like anything, like meditation, especially like people say, I can't sit down for five minutes or 10 minutes. It's like, that's fine. Do one minute or two minutes. Or two minutes. It's like such a muscle 
that you have to keep working at. The muscle and meditation is so good. And, and don't think of meditation. There are so many different types of meditations. You know, usually people will hear meditation and, and that means your mind is a blank for however long you're meditating. There are many, 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 many different ways to meditate that, that do not involve putting your, your mind in a blank state. Right, right. This is actually why I enjoy, that's a part of why I enjoyed our session so much is because it's like active meditation. You like, it's like exploring instead of trying to make yourself shut up. Like yep. it, it feels almost uh, oppressive. Like, and it's, you know, it's like, well, there's a point of like, stop thinking so much. And then you kind of get more passive that allows you to be more calm. But this is very like, I'm occupied by. I'm on. occupied. And so my mind is quiet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, and okay. So let's say someone's does this exercise and they're like, this is great what you do with people is very like a vulnerable thing um are there like you have a school is there if i want to go learn breath work i go to like you can just say oh wim hof certified breath work instructors and it's like you kind of know what you're going to get and it's pretty like a yeah. good standard yep with this stuff like and and i think there's a really that's a really positive part of communities like this where there's no accreditations it's it's very like I, I think that's actually one of the best things about this how do you find a a good place it's the good thing and the bad thing because there are so many people also exploring shamanism that sometimes i've met up with people who are not a good place <laughs> right um so, so the particulars of what of, of the method that I use and teach, I've sort of I've been doing this for 15 years now. So I've sort of uh, taken from here and taken from here and taken from here and sort of created our own method, which we use at the school. Um, and so, it's just now that I'm starting to certify people in the in mm. the Mauricio, in the Mauricio method. Um, but I think there are many good schools in the United States where you can start exploring this sort of this sort of work. Uh, I think the Center for Shamanic Studies is a great place. Um, that was um, Michael, Dr. Michael Harner's school or organization. Uh, he was an anthropologist who went out and, and collected information from from different indigenous cultures around the world. That's a really good interesting place to study if, if you're looking for a place in the United States. Um, also, I know of different authors and different teachers. I don't know if they have schools or they have centers. Okay. So maybe I'd just refer right now to, to, to that place. Um, the Four Winds Society used to be a good place. I haven't uh, checked up on them in a while, so I don't, I don't know where they're standing right now, but that could be also a place to, to research. Um, that is Alberto Villoldo's school. Alberto still is still alive. I don't know if he's moved to Latin America. He he was planning on moving to Chile. So Four Winds, um, like, like Four Winds Society, yes. Um, so the Four Winds Society and the Center for Shamanic Studies are both good places. Um, um, there are books. There are books like 
The Way of the Shaman uh, is a fantastic book by Michael Harner. Uh, good you place. Read that. I actually really enjoyed it. It answered yeah. a lot of uh, thoughts that I had. Yeah, it's, it's a great intro read. Um, Michael has another book called The Cave in the Cosmos, which is fantastic. Uh, Michael trained this other man, which I will remember his name shortly. And he wrote a couple of books, which are wonderful. The Bowl of Light mm. is great. Um, I think he's got one called Journey to the Sacred Garden, which is also pretty good. Um, Wesselman, Hank Wesselman. Mm. Hank has also passed away, but but his books are wonderful. Awesome. Yeah. And do you offer, at, in the Mauricio method, do you offer classes in English or just Spanish? Um, right now, the school just has classes in Spanish. There's been some requests for classes in English. I, I, I am pretty fluent. So um, we're currently working on a, an English group. Oh, awesome. But yeah, so in the future, there will be more, I hope. But right now, we're going to start our first English-speaking group. <laughs> When uh, when you get people for your first English speaking group, let me know. Um, well, that's awesome. Is there is there anything? Do you have a hard stop at three or in seven minutes? Do you have yeah. something? Oh, okay, I just want to make sure. Um, to wrap up. Is there? I've been kind of throwing like my questions at you. Is there anything I missed that you think is important to talk about? Um. No, I think, I think, you know, what I try to, to talk to my students most about is I think the shamans in Peru used to talk about being conscious and dying consciously was most important. And, and for a while I struggled with this dying consciously because I thought, what does that mean? Like, if I'm in pain, no painkillers, like I need to be completely conscious when I die. Like, um, and really what I've understood that to mean with the years is dying consciously means dying conscious of who you are. Like if this life is what we have, it's an opportunity to become conscious of who we are and what we are, which is much bigger than Mauricio. Mm. And the more I, I delve into those big questions, the more excited I get about being alive and about having this opportunity to be here and and meet all these other people and all these other beings. Um, and so I think in the end, what shamanism is for me is that it's just an opportunity. It's just a tool. There are many tools around the world. This one resonated with me and I love it. And I think it is effective and I think it's fun. <laughs> uh, and it's a tool to become conscious, more conscious of everything that this is and everything that this holds. Um, I, I was teaching last night and, and we were having a conversation or a discussion with the students about what they think it takes to be a great shaman. Like, what do they think they need? And, and people were coming up with all kinds of answers, you know, like, oh, I need to be able to go to the Amazon rainforest and get initiated, or I need to uh, have a dream where I can see my spirit animal and talk to it, or, you know, like all sorts of, of big, beliefs and we were talking the, the conversation like started to sort of like focus on 
all it really takes uh, to be an amazing shaman is to be able to be present uh, with everything that's around me. And as we explored that idea and sort of played with our consciousness, it became so exciting. Like you could feel things happening in the room. Uh, simple exercise and people can do it while they watch this recorded later. But if I bring my consciousness to me and become aware of myself, right? So I just take a moment, I breathe, and I'm becoming aware of me. And just by doing that, there's something outside of me that is aware of me, right? So there's like two, my consciousness and me. And now if within that conscious, I include you, just by looking at you and just by thinking of you and just by extending my attention to you, all of a sudden, you and I are both within the same consciousness. And that allows us to, that awareness allows us to touch and to interact hmm. in ways that we do all the time, but we're just not conscious of. <laughs> just by bringing my attention to Scott there and looking at him and feeling us and and to me, that's like, if I could get everyone there, yeah, the world would be so different. Right. <laughs> so, so for me, if, if, you know, if people don't want to go to the upper world or the lower world or meet spirits or talk to frogs or whatever, if all they want to do is just become conscious of the other and of themselves, then I think the school has done its job. And so just to make sure I'm clear. So when you do this, you, you have like your conscious self looking at you and then with a partner in the same room, that person is doing the same thing. And then like you're, you try and interact through your consciousness. So think about that. Just think about that. If, if, if I'm conscious of me, aware of me, I bring my awareness to me. Usually our awareness is everywhere, right? Like, mm -hmm. Oh, the noise of the train in the background, I just bring my awareness to me. And now I expand that to you mm. and you do the same. You bring your, your, your awareness to you and then you expand that to me. Now I am in your awareness, you're in my awareness and we are both in each other's awareness. And suddenly there's all sorts of interactions happening between us that if we are conscious of, we get a lot more from each other than just what we're used to. Right, right, <laughs> interesting. And, um what uh what other religions or beliefs have this kind of shamanistic mindset as its root Oof. i'm not i'm not sure i'm qualified to answer that question because if, if religions or beliefs i don't know because i think well quote me if, like tell me if i'm wrong but in the way of the shaman i think he was talking about Tibetan Buddhism? Yes, Tibetan Buddhism um, originates in shamanism. Mm. So I, I shouldn't say that, it's not true. But before the Buddhists came to Tibet, there were shamans in, in Tibet. And so Tibetan Buddhism has a lot of shamanism in it. <laughs> okay. Uh, which is what differentiates maybe Tibetan Buddhism from Thai Buddhism, or I can't remember the three, the three Buddhisms, but Tibetan Buddhism is a little different because there were shamans in Tibet before the Buddhists came and they sort of did this. Okay. Shamans, again, meaning these people who 
would journey to mediate with the spirits. And globally, like if, if we travel back in time and we find like, let's say uh, shamans in Tibet, and then we go to Russia and Siberia and find shamans in Siberia, is there a commonality in practice between how they view these like spirituality? There's a commonality in that they journey would be the main commonality. How they journey, some with noises, some with ecstatic dance, some with substances, some with different movements of the body, but they will all journey. And usually all these traditions would consider the earth or this plane of existence, the middle world, and there would be an upper world and a lower world, not meaning heaven and hell, but meaning just a whole other world dimension with cities and deserts and jungles uh, up and another one down. Um, I've explored that a little bit and really they called it up and down because it was easier to say, let's go to the upper world than like, let's go to the world on this side mm -hmm. <laughs> or the one that's over here by the tree. You know what I mean? Like up and down is always up and down. Right. <laughs> okay. um, and so between the different um, traditions, some of them, you know, would place ancestors in one of these worlds and uh, spirit animals in another and helping spirits and bad spirits. And there's all sorts of myths and, and legends, but usually there would be two different worlds that they could go for help to. Some, some worlds would have like, um, healing other worlds would have advice other worlds would have like you know angel-like spirits or demon-like spirits it differs from culture to culture mm. and if you can see like catholicism adopted a little bit of that too and there's two worlds one above and one below mm. oh interesting <laughs> interesting yeah um <laughs> and are there you mentioned this before when we've talked like is is that does that the up down and middle the end of existence or does it go beyond i would i would dare anyone who listens to this to go explore to become sort of like explorers but i don't think up middle and down is it i think from our perspective mm. right here <laughs> on the queue there's one on one in front and one behind but if i moved I could see that there's many in front and many behind and many up and many down. And, you know, like, I don't think, I don't, I don't, you know, sometimes when you're talking about aliens, people say like, oh, you can't be like selfish just to think that we're the only life in the whole universe. Uh, the same. I don't think we're the only middle world in the whole universe. Okay. Um. <laughs> It's very, it's very <laughs> and is there like uh people talk about reincarnation a lot is there in shamanic terms when you pass on from this world like this middle world is there like a belief of where you move to or it's kind of random so the people i studied with they'll say your body gets split up but th this is this is not Truth with a capital T. This is their truth. Mm. And I, I would challenge people to wear it and see, does it ring true or not for me? But the body gets split um, and part of you goes back to the earth because your physical body goes back to the earth. 
part of you keeps going and another part stays here within. So they'll say, because you lived on this earth for this life, there's a part of yours that belongs to the earth, not the physical, but some stories and some emotions that belong to this place because you had them here. So you don't take that with you is their belief. I like that story, like that my stories stay here and are told by the planet, like, oh, when Mauricio was here, this happened and we did this. And <laughs> I, I like that story. I can't tell you it's the truth, sure. but as a story, I like it. And so I, I use it, <laughs> I wear it. Um, where the, the soul keeps going, the shamans that I worked with would say it keeps going on its journey through the stars. Um, but they don't know where it ultimately is headed, except on a journey to That's discover true. itself. <laughs> I like that story too. Um, so, yeah, right. I don't know if that answered your question. I know it, it changes from culture to culture. You know, there's not one shaman belief, like this is what shamans say. Russians and Chinese and Indians and Americans and Europeans will all have different beliefs. Uh, but usually there is a belief that there's a part that stays and there's a part that goes. Awesome. Um, I want to be mindful of your time for where, is there anywhere people can find you online? Yes. So I don't have a website, which sometimes I think it's good and sometimes I think is bad. We have, <laughs> we have Facebook and we have Instagram. Um, okay. you, can, you can spell out the Spanish name, it's called the Mountain's Threshold, and that, that's the translation in English. Um, but that's where we announce our courses and stuff like that. If people want to write me directly, um, you can just uh, write me at Mauricio at, in Spanish, mountainsthreshold.com, which you'll find <laughs> out, but it's like Mauricio at umbraldelamontaña.com. Okay. Um, you can spell that out if you want, but but I'm happy to talk to anyone and everyone. I'm gonna be living in the States uh, starting in the fall in a couple of weeks. Um, so I'll have some access to a US phone number and stuff like that if, if people ever wanna schedule a session or talk or, or yeah, you I'm do, happy. Do you do public like, Q, not public, but like Q and A's, like you set up like intro to shamanism. <laughs> I mean, here at the school, I do. I haven't done it on the web. On the, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> but I think that's the next step. The, you haven't the, gone to Google and been like, intro to shamanism 101? <laughs> Why you can't I, I should. I know. I should. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, but I don't have that much press like the, the pandemic opened those doors up and now you know people from latin america are joining our classes but i haven't expanded to the north yet okay <laughs> i'm coming yeah. <laughs> <laughs> amazing um yeah thank you thank you so much for having this conversation um yeah. i really hope people benefit from i'm so happy and uh, you know you start talking about things like death and things like reincarnation. And I keep thinking like, oh, that opens up a lot of doors for a lot of like strange and mystical conversations that I would love to have. But I think they go sort of a little bit beyond the scope of what we're talking about today. Totally. And um, I mean, this isn't the point of your, the answer, not answering, but 
exploring those answers is not the point of your podcast, correct? No, no. Okay. No, well, the point of the podcast, the point of the podcast is showing people through stories of other people's stories, how they're not the only ones who have ever felt that or thought that or okay. uh, felt like that. You know, we're not alone and we're all more similar than we think we are. So that's, that's the point of the podcast. That's amazing. Well, maybe uh, when you have time after you move to the States, we can, we can set time to explore those questions. Uh, I would love to. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining. Well, thank you. Uh, luck with your master's program in <laughs> divinity. Yeah, that's right. Master's in divinity. Well, we'll see what that means later on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd love to <laughs> recap when you're done. Uh, tell me where we go after, after this world. Um, awesome. Well, thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. Uh, thank we'll you. Talk to you soon. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Yeah.